You're listening to Career Up Now's Socially Distanced Close-Ups podcast. In our episode today, Anita is interviewing Mindy Berman. Mindy is the owner of Mindy F. Berman Communications. She helps organizations educate and inform audiences about important issues, especially those related to energy and the environment, as she focuses more on them. Let's jump in on the conversation. You know, it's interesting in communications and public relations, it's hard to give that elevator speech, you know, that the the one minute of what I do and who I am. Um, The one you write for everybody else. (laughs) Exactly. You know, when I look at what I do, not a title, but to me, I, I help organizations educate and inform audiences about important issues. And I tend to focus on energy and environmental issues. Those are kind of my two areas, although not exclusively, but the majority. And, you know, then when you look at what I do to accomplish that, it's, you know, public relations initiatives. I do a lot of writing, all types of materials, collateral from marketing materials all the way to technical writing. Right. Yeah, I know. I kind of feel the same way. I I kind of came up with this title, creative producer, because I it's like I write, but I produce events, but I concept idea, you know, I come up with marketing programs and strategies. So, you know, yeah, you're not just a writer, but it's, it's hard to uh, articulate, especially quickly. So how long have you worked for yourself? Uh, I started working for myself, let's say, 25 years or so, a little yeah. more since 1987, excuse me, 1997, Mm. I'm sorry. Uh, So it's been quite a long time. And, you know, there's ups and downs, but (laughs) you push through them. And uh, I feel fortunate and, but also feel like I've done a lot to make it work. Yeah, I can see that. You're, you know, from your uh, resume, you know, I, like I mentioned, you, I see that you've taught classes and, you know, sort of adapted to what people need you to do and how you can earn a living. Are you, what made you go from, you were in the corporate world then? Did you start out? Like, what was your career path? I, yeah, I was actually in um, a government agency. My first job was at the LA Department of Water and Power, which is the nation's largest municipal utility. And I went in for an internship. It was something I did not expect, (laughs) but it turned out to provide great opportunities, which is something from a mentoring role, I like to tell those who are entering the workforce that sometimes something that you don't think is going to be a good opportunity turns into one. And I got to do a lot of really amazing things. Concurrently, my passion had always been ice hockey from when I was a very young child with my dad introducing it to me. And I really wanted to be a sports writer And initially. And when I was in college, I got an internship both with the Department of Water and Power and with the LA Kings. And when I graduated, I didn't have, there wasn't an opportunity for a full-time job with the King. There was with the Department of Water and Power, but I was able to stay on with the Kings and work game nights. So I kind of was able to have the best of both worlds. I um, then, I stayed at uh, the Department of Water and Power for 10 years, Okay. Mm -hmm. decided that 
I was either going to stay probably the rest of my life because <laughs> you start getting great benefits yeah. and I thought I'm going to get pretty soon. I'm not going to be able to give that up or I'm going to head out now. I did then uh, work for another company or a research communications firm wasn't a great fit. And I decided then that as I was particularly at the research firm, I was managing people, I was developing budgets, and I said, I don't want to do this. I want to do the hands-on work that mm -hmm. I always did. And that was a big impetus for me going out on my own, was to be able to bring my expertise to actually doing the hands-on work that I wanted to do. And that's well, that's neat. And, and you get to kind of pick and choose what you want to work on. But um, I found as you know, being on my own, I get to like do all these great projects. But then my the hardest thing I had adapting was handling the business and doing the invoices and doing. Um, what was the hardest thing for you in you know transitioning to your own business? That was uh, the learning curve. Well, for for sure, that's a good point. I got. Before I left the Department of Water and Power, I, maybe I was thinking ahead a little bit and I was just trying to expand my options, but I did get an MBA, which helped mm -hmm. me in getting more insight into the business right, world. Right, I right, mean, yeah. I'll never be a CPA or anything <laughs> like that, but you get the big picture. And for sure, it's those things are a challenge. Um, there's other challenges, you know, you, you don't have paid vacation, you yeah. don't have um, <laughs> company health insurance, you know, you have, you don't have a regular salary, you know, there's, you have to be able to plan for those things and those contingencies. You have right. to be able to plan for the downtimes because they're inevitable. They're going to come nothing is perfect yeah you know so th there are definitely things that have been learning experiences but the the business part of it i was lucky that when i first went out on my own my father who's now mm -hmm. since passed several years ago but he was a cpa so in the early years he was able to help me with that part of it right uh, it, it's a it's a lot of learning and it's also finding the right resources to help you uh, so that you don't have to spend a lot of your time on things that are not earning you money right the not core capabilities roles all the things that you can outsource that you don't think about mm -hmm. yeah I, I I think that um it takes a certain personality to own your own business because you know, I look at my husband who he could never do it because he likes consistency. He's like, he likes knowing what he's doing every day. And yeah, he doesn't like, like he just would go crazy, you know, not knowing how much money he's going to make every single week. So, but I think, you know, I do think it takes up a person, a certain personality to be able to, to own their own business and, and understand that, you know, let's just keep going and you, you know, adapt, <laughs> make it work. So you mentioned, um, the ups and down times and that, you know, you have to plan for, for uh, slow times. What has happened um, as a result of COVID to your business? Um, you know, I've been 
overall pretty fortunate in terms of my writing assignments, technical writing and other, other types of writing. Those really haven't been too affected. A couple of them have kind of slowed down, but for the most part, those are continuing. The, probably the biggest area is in, in an, an kind of another realm of what I do, although a lot of it is writing. I work on conferences on electric technologies, which ties into okay. the energy and environmental issues. And there was supposed to be one in April. And of course, we had to postpone it. Um, right now, we have it rescheduled for next May. We have plans for a virtual event later this year. But the event industry is really needing to sort of address both challenges and opportunities. Right. You know, there's, there's kind of new models being developed of doing hybrid events where maybe you can do some things in person but you can do a lot of things online that go beyond webinars, you know, that go into much more sophisticated um, arrangements in terms of even having exhibitors display products and services with interactive, you know, features. And so that's something that is uh, somewhat affecting my work and, it's kind of interesting because seeing how things can evolve and on the one hand having, and I do feel very fortunate uh, because I'm still able to work, you know, definitely people who have been hit so hard, but also some new opportunities in certain industries. Yeah, I found that as well, that it was really slow for a while, but then people were like, okay, well now I've got to adapt. And so exactly. they're turning a lot. Now they're turning us saying, okay, I can't do this marketing campaign I was going to do, but what can I do? <laughs> or how can I reassure my customers? How can I get my customers back, you know, get my business moving again? And they need marketing and writing for that. I feel like now that everyone's kind of gotten over that like stress and oh my god what are we going to do and let's just shut business down to okay there's a new world and we have to figure out how to survive it I, I yeah it it's, it's yeah. Uh, you know and then it's being it's being obviously sensitive to customers and being creative in new ways to reach customers and to communicate and obviously communicating about COVID and what that means right uh so there's a lot of things and it's, it's a learning experience too. Yeah, I think it is for everyone. But, and I think I assume your clients kind of turn to you because, you know, you're, you're the wordsmith, you know, you can help them talk to their customers. It's, uh, you've got to say something different than everybody else is saying, but still, you know, <laughs> speak to their language. Um, exactly. So you said you've, you've owned your business for 25 years. I mean, have you, do you put teams together? Do you just work for yourself or do you sometimes like literally run entire marketing projects or do you just contribute to the um, all, all of the, all of the above. Um, I've, I've done many projects on my own and, and most of my writing is, or I'd say 99.9% .9 of my writing is, you know, just 
um, me because uh, often because of the risk of sounding uh, too egotistical. They're just issues that require a lot of background knowledge on, on them. They yeah. can be technical and so on. Um, I've done though many campaigns where I've brought in associates. I, I, there are a couple people I know who I've worked with on many different projects and who, you know, I trust and we work well right. together. Or I've been brought in as a subcontractor, you know, on larger projects by other organizations or other individuals. So it's a combination. At the moment, I'm doing more writing. So right. I'm pretty much on uh, on my own but I also find it's really valuable to even if you're not working formally on a project with someone else is to have some of those people in your life who you can kick ideas around with yeah um, mm-hmm. former colleagues and you know just we I have one friend slash colleague and we kind of sometimes joke about you know the virtual cubicle you know that we're <laughs> You know, emails, it's like yelling over the, you know, the virtual cubicle wall of, you know, obviously nothing proprietary, but just, hey, you know, what do you think about this idea? Yeah, sometimes you do. That's one of the things I find hard about writing is that sometimes I want to brainstorm with people. And, uh, you know, thankfully, I work with an agency and they've gotten so used to I need to just do this. And sometimes I call them and I'm like, I just want to brainstorm with you. Like, I need somebody to say, yeah, keep running with that. Or, you know, cause otherwise I, you know, I question myself. So I do, I, it's one of the reasons I like going to an off to the office is because there's somebody else there and you, as a writer, you spend so much time alone. Um, exactly. So uh, we'll see if I ever get back to one. You mentioned earlier, your dad, would you, was he one of your, uh, you know, biggest mentors? Did you have partic- any particular mentors that kind of gave you the confidence to, my dad was was and I was thinking about this my dad was the first example I had of what a path and what an ethos you know should be I mean he was and ironically I did kind of follow his path although not hundred percent percent intentionally he worked in um, he was a CPA he worked in you know corporate setting then he eventually went out on his own, had his own business. He taught. So I ended up doing a lot of what he did, but he, he just, he really valued education. He was honest beyond belief. Um, <laughs> he always undercharged his clients, which my mom said I take after him in that. Um, and he just, you know, he treated people the way you want to be treated. And so he set that example. And then later in my first job, my first boss became this amazing mentor. And to this day, my gosh, that's 30 some years. I'm friends with him and his wife. We, we see each other. I email him with questions <laughs> sometimes. He just, he demonstrated to me what what a boss should be. He, he was always the type who, because especially when you're young and you start at a company, a lot of times the boss will say, 
here, you do the work, but then the boss wants to take the credit. Right. <laughs> and he was always the one who said, you, if you're doing the work, you get a seat at the table. Oh, you that's, know, that's you beautiful. get to be known as the person who is doing the work. And he just, he just, and sometimes I say too, on another note, that one of the reasons I went out on my own, and it's only half facetious, not only was he a great boss, we just had a great office and a great group of people. And after I left and I'd actually had one other job and I realized that I was kind of naive because that had been my very first job out of school. I'm like, oh, not every place is like this. Not every boss is like this. And I really felt like I struck gold. This will not happen again. It was really hard work, really stressful work. You know, we had media calls in the middle of the night and you know, it was, I was there for the 94 earthquake when the entire power system, you know, went down. And I was one of the, uh, I was there for the 94 earthquake when the entire power system shut down. And I was one of the media spokespersons. There was a lot of stress, but it, it was also such a great environment in our area. So not only a mentor in terms of my work and just personal decisions, but just demonstrating what it means to create a positive environment and that of course we all want to make more money but having someone who says hey you did a really good job or thanks for doing this or thanks for going above and beyond really goes a lot further than i think a lot of people realize yeah i i i agree with that do you is there um any you know particular moment in uh since you've owned your own business that caused you to stop and reassess what you were doing and change your course is there any particular thing like positive or negative that where you thought okay you know, you know it, and that's a it's a tough question because i think at the risk of sounding a little bit trite you never stop learning about yourself and about work and about you know oh, decisions um you know, again, it sounds trite, but it's true. You know, I think, and this is a continuing process, but making sure that I trust my instincts mm -hmm. is really important because a lot of times, you know, I used to literally make those like pro and con lists, you know, <laughs> of, you know, and you realize that, and you have to look at those issues, but sometimes you just have that feeling in your gut that this is what is important and this is what I should do. And, you know, I've been lately trying to focus more on the writing because I realized that's what I want to do. It's, it doesn't mean I'm not going to do the other part of the work because obviously it's income and it's still something, you know, that I know I'm good at and that I can right. do, but it's, it's, you know, knowing what, where I want to focus and where, what feels good to me That's but right. yeah. just in terms of you know trusting instincts like and sometimes you have to take on a project you know financially but you know if you're in the position of not there have been a couple times where i just thought i know this isn't right so you just yeah, know confidence to say no like you I, know yeah. and and just knowing that it's not a good situation there's situations that are toxic you know, to be honest, you know, you're working with people who are really toxic and knowing and some of them I went through and after I said, you know what, I was, I was right. 
you know, I did the project, but it took a toll on me. So, so, you know, kind of coming to some of those realizations and understanding yourself and your decision making, I think is important in moving forward. And I do think that you're right. It's like, it's always learning. And the longer you're in it, the better you get at it. And, and the more confidence you have in, in your instincts and not, you know, and you don't feel that sort of like, I don't want to disappoint somebody or can I, should I say no? Is this going to screw up something else? Yeah. Yeah. And I, but I, and and it's I just still think, hard. Yeah. It's still hard. I'm not good at saying no. <laughs> yeah. I, I still have a hard time with it, but I'm getting better at at least recognizing the situations and figuring out options. So is that, I mean, tell, I was going to ask you what kind of advice you'd give to young people just starting out, but I feel like that's this whole conversation has sort of been that, like, it's kind of like this, this advice, like you're just the way you run your career. <laughs> you know, I, I think one thing that, well, two quick things that I okay. thought about on that question. One is when I was younger, especially when it came to going to college and getting a job, I felt like every decision was life and death. You know, like <laughs> if I didn't, I had to make the perfect decision or else life was ruined. Yeah, like you're going for the next You know, step. no, obviously there's sometimes we're in a situation you have to do something you don't necessarily want at the time, but truly no decision is permanent. You know, you can go to college somewhere and realize I hate this. And you know what? You can transfer. You can get a job and say, this is not a fit and just stick it out for a little bit. So, you know, you're not leaving after two weeks. Right. Give it a and chance. Then say, I can look for something else that's a better fit. So taking that, making those initial decisions, especially when you're younger, it doesn't mean you're locked in for life in any of that. The other thing I thought of was this idea, and you hear everyone say, pursue, pursue your dreams. And I'm not going to dispute that. You know, if you have something you really want to do, you should pursue it. But also, sometimes there are opportunities that you think sound blah. Right. Mm -hmm. And turn out to provide really a great path. Like I mentioned, the Department of Water and Power. I mean, I don't think, to be honest, a lot of people grow up saying, I want to work for a utility, you know, right. <laughs> but I got in and I ended up eventually getting into the role of working on electric vehicle programs because utilities provide the electric fuel. Right. And that has like opened so many doors for me now that I'm on my own and there's so much exciting. That's how it led to the sustainability environmental thing. You no, know, and right? it's just... The technology now is amazing and some of the things I got to do with with vehicles and you know even just driving some of the like most state-of-the-art you know cars and you know and it's it's I never would have expected that um, getting to to pursue something like that that's become a big very cool part of my career and I mean you know cool technology you know cool um, opportunities and like you said so many people now there's so many issues with climate change and it's just it's a really you know cool topic and so I never would have been there had I not 
just said, let me try this. Right. Like keep an open mind, you know. Exactly. And because, you know, if it was an opportunity right in front of you. So you, and if you didn't like it, you could have always walked away. But yeah, so I do think a lot of, um, I, I taught kids along for a long time as well, college students. And, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, when you would make a, like you always get, it's like, it's always why it won't work rather than why it will work. Or right. You think it's not going to be a good thing. It's like, there's a lot of, unfortunately, you know, nowadays everybody, you know, they've got this idea of like, you know, glamour, like what's a glamorous career and what's not, you know? <laughs> right. right. Entertainment, right. I want to like, you know, I want to work with <laughs> celebrities. I exactly. want to like celebrities and, and, you know, I, I'm, first of all, you know, when I did my internship at the Department of Water and Power, I jumped in and did hands-on work. Often, and I don't want to say always, if, if you get an internship at a, <laughs> like a, a, an agency that's repping celebs, you're probably going to be doing real grunt work initially. Yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's thinking about how long do I want to do that? You know, where do I want to be? And, you know, it, there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot to balance, but, you know, not everything is celebrities and entertainment. 